Hello and welcome to another Maritime and Coast Guard Agency podcast. The day of the seafair is an important milestone in the calendar. The International Maritime Organization has carried out a survey of seafarers to gauge the mood and the tempo. I'm going to be looking at some of those results with some of my colleagues from the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency. Chief Examiner Ajit Jacob, Julie Carlton, Head of Seafarer Safety and Health, Carol Davies, whose role is modernising maritime education, and Hazel Lewis, Seafarer Safety and Human Element Policy Manager. Julie, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I was looking through some of these results, and and while some of them perhaps weren't that surprising, um, there were a a couple of moments where I thought, oh, that's interesting. What what did you feel when you looked at some of these results? I mean, I like like you, there was a lot there that we would have expected comments on the um, impact of the COVID crisis and the need to address that, the, the issues that have come out of that in order to um, encourage people to join the industry in future. Um, but some very positive views as well um, of, of things that can be done to improve um, the lives of seafarers, I thought, um, and also on the, on the sort of training and side. Carol, um, I know that uh, you know you, you've looked at these as has everybody else, and and one of the things that I thought was quite interesting, and I'll, I'll pick it up with everybody, I think, is the you know the question around who should be responsible for the fair future for seafarers, and just over half thought that everybody should take a shared responsibility in that. Yes, and this is ab- absolutely right, and you cannot um, disassociate. Um, training and education from um, safety on board, uh, salaries, um, and also, you know, things like motivation um, and equity of opportunity. So I think that very collegial shared collaborative approach is absolutely key to achieving success in this area. And Hazel, it is interesting, isn't it, that the idea that people think that we we should all take our part to play in the the fair future for seafarers. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that um, we in the human element team have been saying at our various stakeholder groups that um, the MCA is here and we want to support um, seafarer wellbeing and welfare. But there's definitely a role for um, employers to play. Um, and other sort of groups like UK Chamber of Shipping, I know we're working a lot on seafarer wellbeing, the unions obviously looking out um, for the individual seafarers and other parties such as um, the insurers. Ajit, I was looking again at this and, and thinking that it is quite interesting. How surprised were you to see that that there is this feeling that we do, we are all responsible for our own futures? So. Uh, we are responsible for the uh, for our own futures yes because we have a choice uh, but uh, we need to be mindful that when it comes to seafarers uh, there's a role for everybody to play and uh, that's been highlighted in the last one year um, where things were taken out of hand of what the seafarers want to do uh, with respect to them joining a vessel or getting off from the vessel so hence the re- uh, need for coordination among various agencies, government and non-governmental private companies as well, uh, to ensure uh, that the welfare of the seafarer is is, is, um, taken care of. 
Julie, no big surprises in that first question, I suspect, where it talks about the area that needs uh, most improvement, you know, working conditions and salaries. But I was quite interested to see that uh, fewer people thought there needed to be improvement in training and safety on board. Do you think that's a a positive reflection or a, a not positive one? I think it probably reflects the focus of the last year, you know, given that the, the, the problems that seafarers have had that um, Ajit was referring to, that's going to be at the top of people's minds about ensuring the fu- you know, ensuring uh, a fair future, um, whereas safety is going to be of a, 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 maybe of less immediate concern. Um, I mean, I think it's a positive, it's positive in the sense that one would expect that if seafarers felt they were working in an unsafe environment, they would say so. 12% is is a, is still a significant number i guess that we so we're not we're not saying that there is that they're not saying that there is no need to improve safety um, but let's say i suspect it's just it's minute to do with the more to do with the um, the implications of the last year the effects of the last years Looking again at that question, Ajit, where it says that that 13% of those polled thought that training needed improvement the most, that's quite a low number. Do you think that perhaps reflects uh, the work that was done to try and do things like move training online? See, uh, Hazel, it's about perception. I mean, uh, I know only 13% have said uh, they need improvement. Um, uh, There's a need for improvement in training. But uh, I would have thought it's been perceived as we would want to mandate more training, which certainly should not be the case. Training should be appropriate. It should be structured such that it's uh, it's it's uh, relevant to the roles that the seafarers are being performed uh, performing on board, and hence probably the the low percentage. Hazel. Uh, just moving on to one of the questions that's probably the least surprising to us all, and that's uh, how COVID-19 pandemic has changed the future of seafaring for the worse. You know, nearly over 70 percent, so two thirds thought that it had. How do you see the MCA's role in trying to reverse that kind of trend? Yeah, I think, as you say, it's it's not surprising. Um, the pandemic's had um, a lot of well-being impacts for for all of us, and especially seafarers um, that were affected by the crew change crisis. Um, there's been a lot of surveys and studies done over this period, um, showing that well-being has been affected. Um, but it is highlighting, in many cases, issues that are always present for seafarers, um, including things like isolation, um, living conditions, um, and fatigue and exhaustion. Um, and the pandemics has just um, increased uh, the negative effects of this. Um, so I think that um, as the MCA, seafarer wellbeing um, has been something on our radar for quite a while. Um, we're not just responding to um, the effects of the pandemic. Um, we've Last year, we produced um, the Wellbeing at Sea guides. Um, one of them's for a pocketbook for the seafarer. The other is a guide for organisations. Um, And I think for us, we really want to continue working with organisations, providing guidance and support. Um, We're also working on a tool to help organisations with understanding the well-being um, of their crew and how they can um, make improvements in that. So I think um, from the MCA, we obviously have a a supporting role um, in producing guidance. 
as I think as Hazel said, it's it's brought these things into into relief, um, and we've yes, it has it has drawn attention to them, and therefore they're higher up the agenda. People are more likely to respond. Another point that that's clear is I mean going back to the who's responsible for um, making changes, and there is actually a, a substantial number of people are saying that that governments and the international bodies have a role to play, and I think that's that's one of the thing that has one of the things that's very much come out this year is that regardless of the efforts that ship owners have made, um, the, the problems that have arisen with crew changes have largely been down to restrictions put in place by by governments, and so it's the uh, it's highlighted how the Maritime Labour Convention and the entitlements of seafarers have um, are sometimes in conflict with other priorities of government, um, protecting their own populations against against the infection. Um, and, that, and so, yes, that's certainly it's certainly drawn that up the agenda, and it's something that um, has been discussed at the International Labour Organization meeting on the MLC, and will be again. In April next year. My final question to all of you, but I'll start with Ajit, is around this idea that, you know, we there's a lot of talk about building back better. There are lessons that perhaps have been learned or things that we now can look back on and say, well, actually, we might do that differently. Um, you know, there's, I suppose my question to you is, how do you see your role in helping to build back uh, the, the maritime industry? So, um, uh, Heather, so if it's regarding training and certification, then we've learned a lot last one year. So the, the, the situation that we faced uh, and the seafarers faced has actually helped uh, us to create an environment where they could get qualification, get their certification, even if they were not uh, able to travel to, to, to the universities and on-site locations. So there are learnings from the last one year, which we have already started incorporating in our in our training regime, and it's only going to get better, uh, so that it enhances the quality of training that we uh, impart to the seafarers. And there is a separate piece with regard to the their welfare, which the conditions which uh, have been exacerbated uh, in the last uh, one year. I think we need to use the experience of the last year to provide evidence of, of where the, the statutory requirements, um, where, where their strengths and their weaknesses. So, and, and to use that as a, as a sort of a springboard, if you like, um, to go forward and improve things. Um, the Maritime Labour Convention itself was designed to be a, an instrument for continuous improvement. Um, it has much more um, flexible provisions for amendment than, than other ILO conventions. Uh, and so, you know, we, we need to make use of that as, as a government, working with other governments to try and address the issues. Yeah, I think it's really important to note that um, the UK was one of the first um, flag states to designate uh, seafarers as key workers. And I think that's a really positive thing that's come out of the pandemic um, and just showing the important role that seafarers have um, in keeping the UK economy alive. Yeah, and I think that um, just showing how important seafarers are and how their well-being is impacted um, by global events and by the environment in which they're working on is really important. 
So in terms of what we can take from this is new perspectives and it's provided us with a new lens through which we look at common practices in training, but also assessment. So it's not just the potential that online training and assessment offers us, but it's also being to look anew at the relevance of what we've been doing up to now, either whether it's for our professional regulatory and statutory bodies, but also at what we think a seafarer needs to know, not just in terms of knowledge, but also in terms of skill and competency and what they know cannot be divorced from emotional intelligence and the human element as well. I think um, the um, idea of seafarer wellbeing has really taken hold in the industry. There's a lot of um, support and enthusiasm for making things better for seafarers, which is really positive. Um, and what we want to go on to do as human element team is look further at that link um, with seafarer wellbeing and safety um, and looking at that wider piece of sort of safety culture as well. You've been listening to the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency podcast. My thanks to Julie Carlton, Hazel Lewis, Carol Davis and Ajit Jacob. Thank you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. This has been a Maritime and Coast Guard Agency podcast. It was produced and presented by Heather Skull.